Hello, friends. If I haven't met you, Grant was right. My name is Brian. I'm so excited to be with you. I'm uh, the creative pastor here at Christ the King Bellingham. And man, I just can't get over that debt-free piece. And I love that Grant used the big check. I hope that they took that at the bank. That was uh, quite the large endeavor there. But listen, we're, we're starting a new series today called Mindset. And it's called Finding Joy in the Middle of God Knows What. I thought, how better to describe the season that we're in than whatever God knows what. And as I've been preparing and praying for this series, I've really been struck again by the power of perspective. By this idea that oftentimes the situations that we try the hardest to avoid in life are the very situations that God wants to use the most. By the idea that oftentimes the hardest seasons in life are the seasons where the most growth happens. And yet in the middle, so oftentimes we lose sight of God's plan and what we end up doing as a result is spending a lot of our lives running away from the moments and the seasons and the people that God is actually calling us towards. And so as we start this year, I just wanted to look at what it meant to be tethered to the truth, even in the seasons that are distracting and chaotic all around us so that we don't miss anything that God has for us today. Amen. You see, it's all about mindset. And I want to help us frame this series and really anchor it in the scriptures because who cares what the guy with the microphone has to say. I hope all of us here aren't here to hear the ideas of a person but are here to hear the word of God. And so we're going to actually get into the word of God right on the front end. We're going to get into Philippians 2. You can turn there in your Bible if you have it. If you've got an app, you can open it. If not, it's going to be up on the screen for you. So let me read this for you. It says, Therefore... If you have any encouragement from being united in Christ, if you have any comfort from his love, any common sharing in the spirit, any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one in mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself not looking to your own interests, but each to the interests of others. And in your relationships with one another, have the same, here it is, mindset as Christ Jesus. Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And all God's people said, I was going to say easier said than done, because having the same mindset as Christ Jesus is something that sounds so easy on the outside to just grasp and to be excited about as an idea, but actually living that out and actually growing to the place where that's a reality in our life is a different thing. But I would love the opportunity to pray for us and really seal this series. Holy Spirit, this series is about you. This series is about keeping our focus on you even when there's distractions in so many different places. God, even when the news is bad news, we know that you are still good news. You are for us, you are with us. So God, give us the strength, give us the wisdom, give us the presence of mind, give us the clarity, give us the ears to hear and the eyes to see that which you have for us. God, we love you. We just acknowledge your presence in this place and we say we want to be changed. We don't wanna leave here the same way. We wanna leave here more in love with you. We want to leave here looking more like you, being a better reflection to the world, being lighter, being saltier, being all the things that you've created us to be. So Holy Spirit, would you move in us? Would you transform our hearts? God, soften the soil even right now, God, in my heart and the hearts of my friends. God, so that your seed would settle and take great root in us and we would produce fruit for you. 
God, we love you. This is all for you. We pray all of this in your beautiful name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. You got it right that time. Amen. Have the same mindset as Christ. Have the same mindset of Christ. Man, it's such an easy idea to get excited about, but the reality is having the same mindset of Christ is a lot different than just wearing a what would Jesus do bracelet. You know, it comes to actually, how do we put this into practice? How do we live this out? How do we keep focused in a season that's trying to distract us on the right and the left and on the front and on the behind? And we're going to speak about the practicality of this. We really are in the weeks to come, but I actually just wanted to start by showing you a picture. And before we even put it on screen, I want to give credit where credit's due. This is not my idea. I got it from Christine Kane, who's one of my favorite preachers. However, I do want to make it known that it was my idea to steal her idea and use it for myself. And so I do want credit for that, all the taking the idea and applying it to our context. That was me. The rest was her. So let's look at this picture together. It's behind me, now it's beside me. So here's the Here's the picture. And here's my question. What, what do you see when you look at this dot? It's not a trick question. What do you see? By a show of hands, how many of you see a black dot? Black dot. Some of you guys need to get your eyes checked. Um, but there's a black dot. And, and I, I'm just saying, I'm not going to deny that fact. I'm not going to sit here and I'm not going to minimize that fact. I'm not going to dismiss it. Black dot, there it is, right there. All around you, black dot. But here's the truth, friends. There's a whole lot more white space in this picture than there is black dot. There's a whole lot more light in this picture than there is darkness. But you see, you and I have been so preconditioned to focus on the black dots of our life that oftentimes we miss the bigger picture that we see. And we fail to see that all around the black dot and all above and below the black dot and underneath the black dot and beside and behind the black dot, it's all white. It's all lightness. It's all beauty. And what I'm trying to show you is that sometimes in life it might feel like the brokenness and the pain and the suffering and the struggle and the addictions and the pandemic and the politics and the family dynamics and the failures in our life seem all but impossible to look away from. And yet, if we could just have the fortitude and the grace from God to actually shift our focus away from the black dot, even for a second, we would see that we've got a God who's bigger. We've got a God who's stronger. We've got a God who's all around. We've got a God who's moving. We've got a God who's active. We've got a God who's for us and with us and in us and through us. Amen? Amen. And he's doing more in your life than you think that he is. He's doing more in this season than you think he is. He's doing more in our midst than we can see. And just because the black dot is all that you're looking at right now doesn't mean that that's all that there is. Friends, there is more to the story than meets the eye. And this is really my first idea today, and I know it's crazy simple, but finding joy in the middle of God knows what starts by understanding that there's more to the story than what meets the eye. There's more to the picture than what our eyes are drawn to if we just take the fortitude and the strength to actually pull the focus and see the bigger picture. We'll see that God is in control. God is over all in every season. And even though it might seem like there's darkness all around you, friends, I can tell you this. Our God is bigger than you think he is, and he's surrounding that darkness with light. You just have to be looking for it. So Christine Kane said, some facts won't change, but our perspectives can. 
Our God's often nearer, more active, and more powerful than we ever realize. And, and I want you to know on the front end with this series, this series isn't about minimizing what you're going through. It, it's not about dismissing your problems or your pain. The facts are the facts, and your story is the story. I'm not here to tell you that there's no black dot. I'm saying that if you are in Christ, though, you have the right, and you have the power, and you have the permission to see that even though everything on the news, and everything in your news feed, and everything that people are choosing to talk right now looks like a black dot, there is more to the story. God is in it, God is over it, and God is bigger than it. And I'm going to ask one more time for an amen. Second idea, joy doesn't always look like happy. We're talking about finding joy, but to find joy, we actually need to know what joy looks like. And oftentimes we don't see it because it's not what we think it is. We've talked about this before. This is a verse from John 15, uh, verse 11. And I love this passage. We've preached it here before in our Rooted series. Um, and I, I just love it. It says this. It says, I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. So this is the verse that comes after all of the scripture about uh, abiding in Christ. It is about the, we are the, the vines and the vine dresser and all this beautiful imagery telling us we need to remain in Christ. And then he says, I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. And I've always been stunned by this verse because at the end of this beautiful thing that says will you remain in me we realize that why God's asking us to remain in us is so that we can be given joy that's like the point of this whole thing therefore uh, it's it's the whole message is about God giving us joy and so it's interesting Philippians 2 says we can make God's joy complete and then in John 15 it says that God will make our joy complete if we remain in him but really, at the end of the day, it's talking about God wants to give you joy. But not the superficial stuff. Not the stuff that people are talking about. Not the I'm happy right now in this moment because of the way things are going. No, it's not what Jesus is talking about here. He's not talking about happy. And I need to say on the front, I've got nothing against happy. I'm not trying to stand on happy to prop up joy. I want happiness for you. I want happiness in my life. I just don't want us to stake our flag on happy and think that happy is going to be a thing that we experience in every single moment of our lives and then wonder where God is when we're in a season of hardship. I don't want us to stake our flag and say, this is what we've been called to. This is what we've been promised. We've been given joy. So where's the joy? Joy is not happy. Happy is fragile. Happy has a shelf life. Happy comes and goes. We're not talking about that. We're talking about a joy that's accessible in every season, no matter how dark it gets and no matter how uh, much the winds might be pushing up against your life. We're talking about a joy that comes when knowing that you might not be exactly where you want to be, but you're exactly where you need to be. And we're talking about a joy that says, I know things might not look the way that I want them to right now, but I am still confident and convinced of this one thing, that he who began a good work in me will be faithful to complete it on the day of Christ Jesus. That is what our joy is rooted in. That's what our joy looks like. It doesn't look like I'm having a great day. It means even when I'm having a bad day, I know that God is still good and he is for me. That's the joy we've been promised. Friends, don't settle for happy. Again, I want happy for each and every one of you. I truly do. But joy is not happy. Joy does not mean comfortable. 
Joy does not mean that you get your way. Joy does not mean that you even agree with how things went down. Joy means you get to live with a gladness that is not based on a circumstance. And in the Baron's household, we have a little letter board that sits right above the kitchen sink and it has two little words. We didn't have a lot of space, so we had to be careful. We wanted, we had a longer verse that we were gonna do, but we're like, it doesn't fit. So we just chose these two words, it's choose joy. So above our kitchen sink, choose joy. And I know that's a little basic. I know that's a little Hobby Lobby or cheesy or whatever you wanna call it and haters are gonna hate, but honestly, I just don't care. It's helpful for me. Because sometimes I need a reminder that it's not about what I feel, it's about what I'm gonna choose to see in a moment. And sometimes when you're up multiple times in the middle of the night trying to help your sick kids and you're exhausted and you had a long day at work and your car breaks down again and your kids are acting like they're possessed by demons and you're doing your best to hold things together, but then you step on a Duplo that's conveniently placed on the middle of the floor by your youngest, you need a little reminder to choose joy because you're not feeling all that happy. Any parents in here wanna give me a witness? Sometimes life is not easy. Sometimes it's not easy to choose joy, so we need to actually put reminders in our life. Sometimes we need a post-it on our steering wheel. We need a letter board above our kitchen sink. We need a magnet on our fridge. Why? Because sometimes I'm not feeling all that happy, but that doesn't mean that I can't choose joy because joy is rooted in something that's unchanging, in some news that's always good no matter what I see around me. Friends, joy isn't about what you feel in a moment, it's about what you choose to focus on in a moment. It's about what you choose to put your hope into. And my third idea is this, our joy needs to be rooted in what God's already done. If we're looking at what's going on around us, we're just gonna be on this roller coaster, but we need to look at what's already been done for us. And then we get a steadfast joy that's always there for the choosing. And this is really where I wanted us to get this week. We talk about mindset. If we wanna talk about having a mindset like Christ, we need to actually look at our mindset towards Christ. Because what we think about Christ actually dictates what we think about everything else. And so I wanna start right here in 1 Peter 2 verse nine. This is my favorite verse. And I know I, I've probably said that about 10 different verses, but um, the reality is they asked me here for this little booklet. They said, what's your favorite verse? And this is the one I wrote down. So all the other times I was lying to you, this time I'm being honest. <laughs> I get excited, I mean it every time I say it, but this, when it boils down to it, has been one of the most meaningful verses to me. And, and I'm just praying and hoping, and I'm just like, man, can we get this today? So I wanna read it to you. I know there's some the, some words, we're gonna walk through this and talk about why it's good news, but let me just read it first. And you can say amen if you want while, while I'm reading it, because this is good news. But you are a chosen people. Nobody took me up on that, that's okay. I'll say amen. A royal priesthood, a holy nation. You are God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Let's just walk through this. This says you're a chosen people. Friends, do you know what this means? I mean, I'm sure you know it somewhere, but, but are you living like this is true? You are a chosen people. What does that mean? That means that you are a God-picked person. It means that God saw something in you that he wanted even before you could see anything in yourself. 
He saw something beautiful even while you were dead in your transgressions and he made you alive. He said, I'm going to choose you. I want them on my team. I want them in my family. I want them in my story. He knew the best of you and the worst of you and he still picked you. And I think this is worth saying, he isn't disappointed in your pick. He's not disappointed. Some of us are like, yeah, he picked me, but he probably had second thoughts. No, he doesn't. He would do it again. He's looking right at you. He said, I pick you. I picked you, and I'm picking you right now. God picked you. You are a God-picked person. We are a chosen people. This is to all of us. So this is a collective idea that I'm talking about it like it's the individual because this is true about you. You're a royal priesthood. And that one sounds kind of Old Testament-y, I know, but this is the one I get fired up about, friends. I could do a whole message. I had to take out all sorts of ideas on this one, so I'm just going to give you just the, the sliver, hopefully the core, of why this is good news. It's the craziest thing to me. I, I get riled up, and I could tell somebody that they're a priest, and it, without fail, I'm always way more excited about it than they are. It's like when you get a Christmas present and you open it up and you don't really know what it is, but the other person seems so excited, so you kind of smile and you say, I love it. What is it? I love everything about it. I just need you to tell me what I'm supposed to do with this thing. Peter says you're a royal priesthood, which means you're a priest. And here's what this means in its simplest form, and I hope you get this. This means that you have direct access to God. It means you don't have to go through anybody to get to the throne room of grace. It means you don't have to wait in line. You don't have to have your people talk to their people and have their people talk to God's people and then have it come back around and set up an appointment for two weeks from now, right now, if you wanted. And I would be so thrilled if you just decided to have a moment in the quietness of your heart where you tune out the guy with the microphone and you just start talking. To God. I need you to know this. God is listening and he is waiting on every word that you say. Elohim, the almighty one. Scripture says the mountains melt before him like wax. And when you speak in the quietness of your heart, he catches every word and every mumble. He knows the words that you don't even know that you're saying. He is so intimately engaged and involved and he knows you and he listens. In his book, uh, Love Does, Bob Goff, a few years back, I, I don't remember much of the book. I loved it, but at the end of the book is what I remember. He included his personal cell phone number. I thought, that is such a baller move. How cool is that? He sells a million copies, so there's a million people. He has no idea who they are, and they've got his cell number. He basically says something around the lines of, hey, if you need anything, just call me. Here's my number. I thought, that's crazy. I thought, what a beautiful gift. That kind of access to a person who actually wants to share the heart of God with you. And I was thinking about it this week. I was like, man, is there any way that we could do something similar? I was like, man, I guess I could just throw Grant's number up there and I could, <laughs> I could be like, if you need anything, just give him a call. But that was a short-lived thought because I didn't want Grant to literally kill me. So unfortunately, you're not getting Grant's number today, but I do want to tell you something that you do have. You have direct access to God. You don't need an intermediary. You don't need an in-between. You don't need to call in the big guns. You are the big guns now. You have direct access. You have God's number in your phone, if you so choose to use it. 
He's the creator of all things and you have his full attention. That just fires me up. He goes on, he says, you're a holy nation. What does that mean, friends? It means that all of the wrong in your life, every bad decision that you've ever made, every insecurity, every piece of pain from your brokenness, all of the wrong from your life was transferred over to the account of Jesus. And, and it doesn't stop there. All of Jesus' right, all of his righteousness, all of his beauty, all of his love, all of his godness and perfection was actually transferred over to your account. And because of this transaction, you have been made pure through Christ. You have been made righteous in God's eyes. So when God looks at you, he doesn't see the black dot. He sees the perfection of Christ in you and around you and through you, and he is well pleased with you. You are a holy nation. Finally, it says you're God's special possession. What does that mean? Friends, it means that God delights in you. There's a scripture in Zephaniah that I want to share with you. This is in your outline. Uh, and I just want you to, to take this home. This is how God thinks of you. This is how he views you. This is how he engages with you. It says, the Lord your God is with you. We just talked about this series with. That is good news on a level that, man, we could just sit there forever. The mighty warrior who saves, he will take great delight in you, friends. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. Friends, you know what's crazy is that I think that most of the time God takes more delight in us than we do in God. I think I so backwards. But there's an invitation there to just see and respond. God rejoices over you. He sings. So we've got a God who's not angry, who's not apathetic towards. He's not lukewarm when he talks about you. He doesn't merely tolerate you. Scripture says he delights in you. When you call and he picks up the phone, he is not begrudgingly doing so. He is like, yes, my kid's calling. His love for his kids is too much to sit on. It's actually moving him into action. He sings over his kids. And as a dad, I can just tell you, man, there's nothing better than singing over my kids. I feel like there's nothing more vulnerable and beautiful than I can do for them. Sometimes love is expressed uh, through song because words spoken just aren't enough. And that's the way that God views you. He wants to give all of himself to you. He wants to not just give you his spoken words, but he wants to sing over you because he is so delighted in you. So you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood a holy nation, God's special possession. And then we get to what's my favorite part. It says that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. It says that you may. Now, I don't want you to miss this. Oftentimes people think that these are the throwaway words of the verse, but I'm convinced that they're actually the essence of the verse. And the first person I heard talk about this was Louis Giglio about 10 years ago, and it, it honestly has shaped the whole way that I view my interactions with God. And it's these three words that says that you may. That you 
may declare his praises. After everything God's done for you, he's made you a royal priest. He's given you access. God, God picked you. He saw something in you. He rejoices over you. He literally sings songs to you. After everything that he's done, he has made you alive at a great cost to him. And he's done all of this. And he says that you may declare his praises. You may now worship him. You may now sing his praises. Oh, you don't have to. You don't, it, it, this isn't a should statement. Now you should praise God. It doesn't say now you are, necess- like this is necessary of you. It, no, this isn't demanding a response. This is inviting one. You see, this is where a lot of us get stuck oftentimes without realizing it. We take the gift of following Jesus and we actually turn it into a chore. We actually turn it into a checklist. We turn it into this list of things that we have to do. I've got to read my Bible. I got to come to church. I have to go to small group. I have to pray. I have to tithe. I have to be really, really nice to people. I have to be moral. I have to tell people about Jesus because if I don't tell people about Jesus, then I'm not doing my part and then Jesus isn't going to be okay. I need to tell you something. Jesus is just fine. Jesus is just fine. All the things that we've turned into have tos, I had this moment of epiphany where I realized God does not need anything from me. So I don't have to worship and I don't have to tithe. But here's the thing, everything that God invites us to do is actually because it's us who need it. And so when it comes to singing a song, God doesn't need your song. He rejoices and sings over you and he loves it when you sing for him, but he doesn't need your song. It's us who need to be reminded when we hear these words come out of our voices or out of our, out of our mouths that God is good and that he does reign and that he is coming after us. When it comes to money, God doesn't need your money. It's us who need to be reminded that money's not God and it's us who need to see that, man, when we partner with God, look at what this can actually do. It can go out and there can be a ripple effect that echoes out into eternity. God doesn't need your prayers. He doesn't need to know you any more than he does. He already knows you intimately. It's us who through prayer get to actually engage with God and get to know ourselves and more importantly, we get to know who our creator is. You see, God, it doesn't say you have to do any of these things. And so oftentimes we've turned a gift into a chore. But friends, I'm telling you, there is no chore when it comes to following God. God is inviting you. He's saying, you may now worship. Because of what I've done, I've actually created the space where you can come into my throne room. You may now read your Bible and actually get to know who I am. You may now pray and I'm going to listen. You see, you don't have to, friends. 2022, you don't have to do any of this. But because of what God's done for you, you may. You may. Can I get three amens for that? You may. You may. Because have to feels like a burden. Should feels like an obligation, but may feels like a privilege. It feels like a joy. And I can't speak for you, but when I look at all that God's done for me. And friends, this is what I started to do this week. I just started making a list of all the things that God's done for me and given me. I started writing them down. I said, God, thank you for my family. Thank you that I got to marry my best friend and she still likes me most days. 
I actually checked in on her this week. I said, like, what's the percentage that you enjoy being around me? She's like, I'll give it over 90%. I'm like, I'll take that. I don't need 100. 90's good. That's like a tomato on Rotten Tomatoes. That's like, that's good news to me. I'm going to take 90%. Thank you that my daughters still think I'm a superhero. That sometimes their belief in me helps me believe in myself. Thank you for morning snuggles with Addie. Does something in my heart. Thank you that when I got home from work this week, Brooklyn just said, or, or mom said, Brooklyn, what did you want to say to your daddy? She said, I love you and I missed you so much when you were gone. God, thank you for loving me in spite of me. Thank you for your patience with me even when I'm stubborn. Thank you for dying for me when I could, so I could live. Thank you for choosing me even when I had nothing to offer. Thank you for singing over me. What a new gift that is as a dad who gets on some level the beauty of that. Thank you that you're not distant. You are nearer than I will ever know. And even when I don't see you or hear you, I know that there you are. God, thank you that everything that's stressing me out right now is not stressing you out. Thank you that everything outside of my control is under your control. Thank you that you lived a perfect life and every time that you were tempted, you said no for me. Thank you that you are so much bigger than I've given you credit for. You are so much bigger than I've made you out to be in my mind. And thank you that you teach me just a little bit more about yourself every day because my brain can't handle that much, but I love that I get to progressively understand who you are. And the more I wrote down, the easier it was to see all the things that God has done for me. I just kept going and I got into the weeds a little bit. I said, man, Lord, thank you for indoor plumbing. We take that for granted. That's really cool. Thank you for toothpaste. Thank you for Wendy's spicy nuggets. There's no way that you didn't have some hand in creating that. They're delicious. And the more that you say it, the more that you see it, and maybe some of you, what you need to do this week is take a couple minutes and write a list to remind you what God has done for you. Because what God's calling us to see isn't what's been taken away, it's what's been given. He's not calling us to look at the storm, he's calling us to look at the fact that Christ is still in our boat. He's not calling us to look at the darkness, he's calling us to actually pull back and realize that the whole fabric of the painting is white. Because friends, it's not always easy to see, and this season it's been a particular challenge. I mean, having two kiddos is fun, but I've found the quiet time at the Barron's household is not as quiet as it used to be. And, and sometimes people will tell me, you just gotta wake up earlier. You ever had this? You're like, man, I'm just struggling to, to really engage in my quiet time. Well, just wake up earlier. Just like grab some time with the Lord at 4 a.m. And I'm like, I'm, I don't even like the Lord at 4 a.m. Honestly, dude, like, I, I feel like at some point, like, I get saved every morning at, like, 9 a.m., and by 9, my house has already been ripped apart by two kids who think that every day is demo day. So I spend most of my prayer life just praying that God gives me the fortitude and the strength to not yell at my kids, and then a pandemic hits, and I'm like, how am I supposed to find joy in the middle of whatever this is? When everything is bad news and, and everyone is mad at each other and nobody can agree on anything and every day is a new disaster. And I guess what I'm saying is it's really become increasingly difficult not to just spend my life staring at a black dot and forgetting to see there's so much more to the picture. There's so much white and light and blessing and beauty. And even in the midst of my frustrations, there's so much that God's doing. And when I choose to look at what God's done for me, something in my heart starts to shift. 
And the more I look at what he's done for me, the more that I feel a gladness that starts welling up in my heart that has nothing to do with my circumstances that I think looks a lot like joy. And the more I look for what God's done for me, the more I find it. And having a mindset of joy doesn't mean that I don't get to see all the hurt and the brokenness and the pain. It just means that even though there might be chaos around me, Christ is still in me. And I know that I am God's and, I, and he is mine and I am loved and I am blessed no matter what is going on. No matter how many times I stub my toe, no matter how many news feeds things frustrate me, I know that that is still true and that is my joy. I'm going to close with this. A mindset isn't something that just happens. It's something that's built. We're going to be talking about this over the next weeks. It's not something that you choose once. It's something you choose over and 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 over. And eventually that choice helps change the way that you see. This happens a lot. A lot of times we just want it to be a, a one and done, set it and forget it, but that is not how mindsets are built. That's not how we actually pray a prayer and start to believe it. Sometimes I need to pray a prayer a thousand times before I can really truly bring it into my heart as something that's true. You know, this is a progressive piece. I don't want you to think that it's a set it and forget it. This is a daily decision. And one of the scriptures that's given me the most courage in this is Hebrews 12. And it says, therefore, since we've been surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. If you want your definition of joy flipped upside down, just look at this. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Joy isn't happy. Joy is something deeper. It's looking at the outcome that Christ is actually after. Scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured so much opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So friends, I don't know about you, but this is my heart for this year. I am going to run the race. I am going to throw off the sin that entangles and run towards my Jesus. Not because I have to, but because I get to. Because he says that I may now worship him who's brought me out of the darkness into the glorious light. See, it's not necessary. God's not forcing your hand. But I need you to know what God has done for you. He picked you. Man, he's given you his number. He has taken all of your wrong and he's given you all of Jesus' right. And he paid the cost. And now he delights in you. And because of that, we may now respond. Friends, I want to encourage you to know that there is more to life than whatever black dot you're looking at right now. There is joy, there is hope, and there is life for you. So let's set our minds on the goodness of God and be tethered to that truth that he is holy, he is good, and he is for us. And let's walk this out over the coming weeks and talk about what does it look like for us to take our eyes off of what our eyes are drawn to and to see the bigger picture that God's inviting us to see. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, God, there's so much more to the picture. There's so much more to life. We are so easily distracted. 
we are so easily drawn to the dark spots of life. So Jesus, we pray even now, would you draw our attention to what you've done for us? Because I believe that mindset starts when we acknowledge and remember and we see once again and we are drawn to that which you've done for us, which is extraordinary. May it never grow old. Would it never be something that we stop saying amen to? Would it never be something that we stop being excited by? Every morning it says your mercies are new. So would those mercies look like reinvigorating our love and our affection and our ability to see the good news that you've offered to us? God, help us not to choose it once, not to choose it twice, not to choose it three times, but to continue choosing and choosing and choosing to look for you in the middle of all the dark, because in the middle of all the dark, there you are. You're in it, you're around it, you're using it. Help us to have a mindset of gratitude, a mindset of joy as we move into this new year. We love you. This is all for you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.